CBCC episode 81, my realization of the day. My first time watch of this film and of anything that I was expecting, my thirst for young James Remar is not one of them. Ajax, come out to play. Time to take a hit and pass that spooky shit. Welcome back to the Bloody Blunt Cinema Club, a podcast very high on horror movies. I am your host, Devon Taylor, with my co-host, Garrett McDowell. Hello, Devon. I've noticed that you're sipping a LaCroix today. That's, that's, I didn't know you were a LaCroix boy. Oh, I'm a bubbly boy for sure. I didn't know that. Definitely. Rocking the peach pear. What's your favorite LaCroix flavor? See, I don't. this might lose some uh, some listeners oh, here. Oh, yeah, you're I not a bubbly guy. I actually don't like LaCroix. It tastes like non-alcoholic beer to me. It's just not not my thing. I'm a still water guy. I don't know if that makes me basic or boring, but yeah, just I don't need the bubbles in there, you know? I like to joke that LaCroix is made like Willy Wonka style, that there's <laughs> Like some, I just like dead whisper. children in there. Or? <laughs> Jeez. So I'm sorry. That's no. weird. Okay. That's, uh, no. No. no uh, <laughs> like uh, one of my friends said that uh, Lacroix always tastes like somebody just whispered the flavor into the oh, can. Very nice. <laughs> like the fizzy lifting drink. And yeah. Yeah. I was thinking. I know my mind went uh, with Augustus when he like falls into the uh, into the chocolate river. I was thinking that there's like little Augustus go- oh. goops in there, but uh, I guess not. I guess we went in different directions. <laughs> hey, this is a horror podcast. And that I, I'm actually surprised that you went darker than me for once. <laughs> for on, once. Uh, for yes. On that one. Yes. Um, and this is a horror movie podcast where we dive into various subgenres and franchise within the genre world, mm-hmm. except for this month. We are not really talking That's horror right. movies. Outside the box. We um, have been talking uh, could-be horror movies, um, movies that, you know, have shades of horror, whether it be in the filmmaking or the themes or content matter what have you mm-hmm. and uh you know we've we've been uh getting pretty deep on most of the episodes yes this has just been like this therapy month. month like i didn't i didn't realize it how was, introspective this month would be <laughs> again in classic bloody blunts fashion we don't like we try to plan things but then things just happen like it is mental health yeah. awareness month oh, and like we did not even think about that especially like you know last week's episode diving into shiva baby you know, yeah we, um, went into quite a bit of that and Anomalisa. So it's like, you know, we, we've went a little bit deep and even, even pulled some deepness out of cable guys somehow. Right. That's right. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it's been a fun month. It's been an interesting month trying to find the, the shades of horror, as you said, uh, in some of these movies that'll be a little less obvious. And I think it's, it's, it was, uh, I'll be honest. It was a, uh, at least a, like a topic that I was not averse to. It was just kind of like, interesting. Oh yeah, you were like, skeptical. I, I was just yeah. like, I think I was trying to. It was funny because my skepticism ended up being one of my favorite things about it is that I was just like, I don't know what direction to take at this. Mm -hmm. And that kind of was my favorite thing because each uh, guest and myself included took different directions and took a different way to answer this question. And I kind of was, you know, with my uh, suggestion was more of like, I think the story isn't isn't is, is a scary one, but the filmmaking isn't 
using horror elements. Mm-hmm. Whereas Shiva Baby, for example, the story is not Vice a scary versa, one, yeah. but the filmmaking is very horror centric. So it's been really fun to talk about some of these movies and and just see how our guests answer these questions. And speaking of which, yes. we have our guest waiting in the wings. We do. Um, uh, she is a member of the Losers Club over on the Bloody Disgusting Podcast Network and a writer for Rue Morgue. And knowledge of all things musical and vinyl. It is the Vinyl Girl, um, verified on Twitter, by the way, Rachel Reeves. Hey, boppers. It's Rachel Reeves. <laughs> yes. That is uh, a killer twiddle, uh, Twitter handle, by the way. The Vinyl Girl. That's that's excellent. <laughs> why, thank you. You know, if it's going to be what you're known as, you have to put a lot of thought into it. Yes. It's so funny. My husband just changed his, and I'm actually, like, mad because mm-hmm. it was, like, my best creation he was uh less than zero cool which is like some less than zero and hackers like very mixed nice. together and very i was like nice. no why'd you get rid of that that was so good that stuff <laughs> i i scanned twitter long and wide because there was at garrett mcdowell for the longest time and he hadn't tweeted anything in years and i was like oh that's the worst i was about to like send this guy a message i'm like hey man give up the username and then i finally checked just randomly and it was gone the account was deleted and so i swept i, I swooped in and now i'm the the sole owner of at garrett mcdowell so i'm very happy about oh that. see you're nice. see i'm 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 a lot more petty than you because i've had (laughs) similar things going after twitter and instagram handles and like if they're not like tweeting and stuff or they like look like i'm reporting (laughs) it like i report the account yeah i'm like dry son you're out of here i'm like what what, like what's going on this ain't this ain't a thing exactly yeah yeah, what year is this you can't just let us go stagnant (laughs) like that come on and and rachel you you were on um very early on the podcast in uh the earlier uh season one where we chatted 13 Ghosts, which is uh, one of my favorite episodes, one of the longest episodes, because we went into literally every single ghost uh, in the movie, which was oh, so fun. And it was great, though. Yeah. Us and Jessica, like, oh, my gosh. I Yeah, yeah I loved, I still love that movie. Like, yeah, I could watch that again in a heartbeat. Oh, it's the Blu-ray is sitting, is always very close to just jumping its way into, <laughs> <laughs> into the disc port. Like, I'm the yeah. same way. I could watch 13 Ghosts literally at it's, any it's moment. Like, it's like at a hotel tell you have like the bible and the nightstand it's that's for you it's just a vhs copy of <laughs> 13 oh, i wish i had a vhs copy and uh you know a lot has changed since then and you know the the losers club definitely you know getting so much bigger and you know it's crazy um you know because you know we've been internet friends for quite a bit rachel and um it's really cool in a way because uh we we kind of came up in this like very specific class in the in the horror community like as writers Mm -hmm. and creators and um you know we all met writing for a certain website that i'm not gonna get into but um you know it was really cool because we were like a nice tight little group and like now from like that little class like it's like you know you're doing losers club mary beth is now editor-in-chief of dread central and doing scarred for life and tyler liston doing uh we are horrors so it's like it's been really cool over the years like seeing uh each of us like you know as we kind of branched out you know like that was you know kind of our starting place you know getting involved in the horror community but it's been like so cool watching everybody like expand oh totally i think we all kind of like we're starting at the same like we were all new to it, you know? So I do feel like, you Mm -hmm. know, you know, Twitter, the online community gets a lot of shit sometimes, you know, about Mm -hmm. being toxic and stuff. But it's like, if you find like a good group of people, like I feel like we have, and like that little like 
nook of people it's yeah it's so incredible to like watch your friends succeed and just mm -hmm. like to encourage them and see like all the awesome stuff they're doing like honestly it's just it's a joyful so it's been a total blast I, I will say this as someone who is on different kind of fandoms on Twitter I don't interact as much I'm just a surveyor uh, I would say out of a lot of them I find the horror community to be generally more pleasant uh, I don't know what it is but I feel like they're a lot more accepting of different tastes and, mm -hmm. and different because uh, I think maybe horror is so diversified whereas maybe some other fandoms it's like no if you don't stick to exactly this thing then you know you're not a true fan or something like yeah. that where horror is like you know runs the gamut that's kind of the point of the podcast is that we explore these different little pockets so the mm -hmm. horror community you too listener yeah <laughs> i mean you're a little bit more pleasant than it's the other a, people it's an acceptance thing you know like i think it always comes back to you know a lot of fans of the horror genre are like yeah. you know you feel like misfits or outsiders or you know various ways and it's like yeah. it's it, it's an acceptance thing so i think that also like translates into like the film taste as well Probably. like of, you know of course there are some annoying gatekeepers in the horror oh, community uh, as yes, well yes, but of course. but a lot less of them because i think it's like in I, i'm not gonna like tell people how to be a horror fan but i yeah. feel like in order to be a horror fan like you do have to be able to just like let your brain unfurl a little bit more than you would towards other films yeah and i think there's also something to be said for there's obviously we've talked about like the elevated horror and that kind of idea but i think that there is this sense of fun that like even the quote-unquote bad stuff is still good you know and this kind of this the cynical sense is it dissipates a little bit and you're allowed to just have enjoy the dumb shit you know which is yeah. which is always good don't take it so seriously you know yeah and and i think with rachel's pick um that we're gonna get into here in a minute is that you, you had mentioned um, that you picked this movie. We're talking The Warriors from 1979. Yes. And um, you had mentioned that, like, you know, it there seems to be a cro a big crossover and, like, the, the cult following of this movie and horror fans. Because, like, yeah, the, this definitely isn't particularly horror-esque. It has, it has shades that we um, are going to dive into. Um, but, yeah, so, the, the again, like, the... the reach of the horror community and like mm -hmm. the way that you like interpret you know things is like you know where you can let you know fringe movies in like this and they can you know grow this like passionate fan base yeah for sure yeah so let's go ahead and get into it <laughs> the warriors released february 9th 1979 Nice Valentine's Day movie, I would say so. <laughs> Actually, not at all. Um, directed by Walter Hill, who has writing credits on Aliens and Alien 3. This was his third film after debuting with Hard Times, which is a classic uh, neo-noir crime film. Um, and he has a very gritty filmography overall, but I haven't seen too many of his films. Mm -hmm. This film was written by Bill Walter and David Schaefer who um, has an uncredited um, credit on the final draft of Hunt for Red October, which I found kind of interesting. Very nice. And this is based off the book that was written by Sol Urich. Um, this features a killer, killer score that I'm sure Rachel has some info on from Barry Dvorzen, who won a Grammy for his work on The Young and the Restless. And his final film score was The Exorcist 3. So way to go out on a banger. I love that movie. I love that movie, too. And the cinematography was done by Andrew Laszlo. Um, I forgot to swap out the box office numbers, so we'll just skip that. And uh, this does have a current 
87% on Rotten Tomatoes, on 47 reviews, and a 3.8 out of 5 average on Letterboxd. So, Rachel, what made you want to talk about the Warriors today? Well, I have a very, like, long history with this movie. Like, this is a movie my dad showed me, like, as a kid. and As you, you do. Know, <laughs> yeah, you know, and, like, all the time, like, he would always do that, like, He'd be like, Rachel, come out to play. Yeah. And I never knew what it was from for like years. And then like watching mm -hmm. it as like a 13 year old was like, oh, okay. Like I just thought it was my dad being weird, you know. But I also picked it just because I'm fascinated by movies that kind of have that crossover appeal. Mm -hmm. Kind of the those cult movies that certain communities, like the horror community, kind of adopt as our own, even though like there's lots of arguments to be made about whether or not it is actually horror. You know, you, you talk about like online community, you hear these conversations all the time, right? Like mm -hmm. Silence of the Lambs is a horror movie or no, it's not. Or, you know, even like silly ones like Jaws or something or mm -hmm. Predator and stuff like that. And which are just, all horror movies, by the way, we've, we've yeah. mentioned this on <laughs> specific episodes of this show. Those are all horror <laughs> movies, damn it. <laughs> yeah. But it's like, it's so funny when it's like, such a big conversation about whether or not something is and I just think that's so interesting like people's needs to kind of categorize that mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and this is kind of a little bit further on the outside of that so I'm kind of excited to talk about maybe yeah like what is maybe horror and how it's not and what could make it more but also just like why it's so incredibly popular so many years later yeah i mean i and what i've noticed about those conversations a lot is they always revolve around trying to um prove that something is not rather than argue for something you know and yeah so like that's a big part of the reason i want to do like this month in particular mm -hmm. uh garrett so uh, you said you haven't watched this movie in uh, quite a few years yeah. What what do you what do you think on this time around? So when I originally watched this film, I was it's funny I'm looking back at like the critical reception of this movie back in the day, and I'm I think when I was younger, I fell more in line with how a lot of the critics saw it. Is they saw it as silly. Uh, it had this weird kind of mix of yeah, it's dirty, gr you know, grunge New York, but then it's also like this weird glam rock. You know, guys are dressed up like the village people and they're wearing face makeup. You know, and it just kind of had this weird weird um uh, maybe mixture of ideas that maybe didn't quite settle as well and then when mm -hmm. i watched it this time i just found the movie to just have this really unique flavor to it and i can't even though our movie math we're going to kind of have you know obviously oh if you if you think of these movies they are they're similar together but i think that this is a very distinct type of film and it comes out in a really interesting time uh and it makes me think of this is like a so it's like a real rock and roll movie, uh, like oh, in that, yeah. that era of rock and roll and how it was very unique to that time, especially how uh, they even mention it uh, in this movie about like how you define masculinity uh, and, and what defines a man and, and how back in that day the line was maybe a bit more blurred than they uh, were anticipating or, you know, kind of wanting it to be. There's just a lot of interesting ideas in this. And I it's just kind of fun to watch this is almost it's almost like this weird rock and roll video game where they're going yeah. from level to level to boss fight totally. to boss fight in this one uh evening and, and night in one of my favorite kind of eras of new york city where everything is it's not new york but like the you know where the city life uh was just 
gross and dirty and weird and like a nightmare. It's just kind of this very specific type of film. And I can't really point to a lot of other movies that are like this, uh, even though there are some kind of uh, pretty apparent issues to me. I just think it's a lot of fun uh, and it's silly and it kind of doesn't want itself to be. It feels like it's oh, taking itself a little seriously at points, uh, but I'm just like, I can't help but have fun with this. Mm. I don't know. I don't know. I guess we'll we'll talk about that line. Is like, does this movie think it's cool or not? You <laughs> I know, don't know. I've noticed in in our episodes together so far, Garrett. That is one thing that me and you always kind of see differently is intent. Mm-hmm. Whenever we're kind of like watching something and like kind yeah. of wondering, you know, is it supposed to be this way? Is it supposed to be that yeah, way? The tongue in cheek level, and that, and that's a, where we differ a lot of times, which I love. Um, I love this movie. Oh yeah. my goodness, Yay. this was my first time. Um, Rachel offered a few different options, mm-hmm. and and Rachel knows my taste pretty well. So you were just like, no, you you need to watch the Warriors, yeah. and uh, you you got me because this is this is my shit it's all the really way. Fun, yeah. I I do love. I'm a sucker for like kind of like you said that video game style. Like it's like going level to level over the course of this night. The 95 percent of this movie is at night. I love it. Yeah. It just like jumps you right in, you know, mm-hmm. like uh, establishing this world like pretty quickly, and uh, and the style of it is just yeah, it's so fun. I love late seventies films. Like this yeah. has a this uh has this isn't my movie math, but it has a feeling of like a fam of the paradise. Oh yeah, as far totally. as like kind of that rock and roll nature, but also the look of it, the style of it. Like yeah, there's just something about these type of movies. Like yes. um. Uh, somebody, somebody described a movie as gauzy, um, recently, and I'm like, yeah, mm-hmm. in a way, you know, like, except that the, like, if this was at daytime, which we do see at the very end, yeah. it is that haziness, but since yeah. it's at nighttime, the, the haziness, like, kind of feels different, and, uh, yeah. and, uh, yeah, I, I loved just all the style amongst us, I love the scope of it, like, yeah. how many gangs they got involved, how many extras they got for this, mm-hmm the way that they use music with the radio station announcer yes. and you know, there's, there's just so many cool, like this movie's just cool. Like I, yeah. I like 10 minutes in, I was just like, damn, this is a really cool movie. Yeah. Like, and, <laughs> yeah. and it, in uh, yeah, I, I absolutely loved it. Um, and as far as like some of the subgenre stuff I kind of saw in it, I was like, you know, like, uh, to put it in a horror context, like, you know, this is a revenge story of sorts. Mm-hmm. And I feel like revenge movies are always interesting, um, you know, whether they are in the horror camp or not, you know. Um, I think it's uh, kind of how that revenge is handled. And this one doesn't handle it like a horror movie would, uh, the revenge aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is, you know, your, your street level crime thriller. Um, it's a pretty simple story, pretty straightforward, like you said, like a video game. But yeah. we're gonna have a Rachel hit us with her sixty second synopsis of the Warriors. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right, let me get one minute on the clock in three, two, one. Bop it. Can you dig it? The Warriors are a gang from Coney Island, and they attend a rally in the Bronx, where Cyrus, who's a leader of the Gramercy Riffs, the biggest gang in New York, uh, he proposes a statewide truce so that the gangs can overthrow local authorities because they've got the power and the people. However, Cyrus then gets shot and the Warriors get blamed. Uh, With a price on their head, they attempt to fight their way home. 
me all the yeah. way back to Coney Island. And that was very concise in 30 seconds because... Oh, too fast. <laughs> no, I mean, hey, we, 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 there, there's always the different strategies. You know, it's like, are we going for are we going for coverage? Are we going for, let me get this out as quick as possible? Yeah. Um, I mean, that was a pretty fast one. I mean, but yeah, because the, the, the story to this isn't complicated. They are just no. trying to get back to Coney Island, back to their turf, the safe zone. Yeah. And, yeah. um, you know, and they just fight people along the way. They rumble. They they flirt with girls. They bicker with each other. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. you know, just, just it's a night out with the boys. <laughs> I was going to say, let's be honest, like, there is a lot of action elements here, and there's not, like, a whole lot of character development, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of characters, but we don't actually really get to know any of them so yeah the plot is pretty simple i think it's interesting and i wanted to correct myself this movie does take place in new york i i i was uh, confused geographically in my head this is a very new york definitely oh yeah definitely Uh, takes place in new york filmed right on the streets in new york yes but i did want to you had mentioned like the lack of character in this movie i think it is ironic though that a movie that does lack character in regards to character growth has so much character to it because the movie itself has a lot of character and uh as i was mentioning earlier i'm a big fan of like like that period in cinema uh and uh, scorsese did it a lot and a lot of movies in the 80s did them where new york was just gross it's like before the city really like cleaned up certain things and certain streets that like that was a a big uh i think that's reagan era kind of stuff of like cleaning up the streets and i like watching movies like this that capture that because i don't know about you this movie feels like it takes place in the future for some reason it feels like like a you know not too distant future kind of movie and not for really any other reason other than these guys are all wearing like very colorful weird costumes like they're like like you could throw the band kiss in there and they would fit Mm -hmm. just as well like they would not be out of place at all because you've got these guys who are wearing uh, baseball uniforms with face paint you've got Guys who are wearing uh, like fringe vests, and that's their look. You know, uh, we got the overall gang. <laughs> the, they all look like Super Mario, uh, which I think I I have a pair of overalls and a striped shirt. I should have worn that because I could. I that could be a sick cosplay. I could be <laughs> whatever that gang is called. But yeah, it's just uh, that's what I was saying. Like it's just I'm I'm very unsure yeah, on like the, what the if it's just trying to be tongue in cheek or not. I mean, it it definitely has this like fantastical feeling to it like uh i love movies that i can describe as an odyssey this is very much like one of those like kind of it feels yeah like uh out of place like it feels in the future but it's in the past like kind of like it follows almost yeah and and then you know and and like you said like the the movie in the world has so much character to it like the look of everything i mean hell the train has more character development than like any of the characters in this movie (laughs) if we're gonna be for real. I just had an epiphany because you had mentioned the Odyssey. I don't know if anybody has read the Odyssey, like Homer's it, b- work. And is anyone, am I alone in this? No, I've read it. Okay. One uh, of the few things I've read, but I have read it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm wondering if there is intentional parallels with that story. There is. Well, the book was inspired by Greek myths. Okay. Thank and God. this is okay. based on the book. So it's like, yes. Okay. My college <laughs> literature professor would be very proud of me because there are legitimately yeah. like sirens in this movie. And there is this, oh, yeah, yeah. this, this story of 
trying to go home, which is like literally what the Odyssey is about. And along the way of trying to get home, you meet these crazy zany characters and that those characters and meeting them along the journey. That's the, that's the story there. So I'm, I'm glad I'm not just losing my mind here. I think that that's very, uh, very obvious now that I think about it. (laughs) You're, you're a reader, Rachel. Have, have you read the book? I haven't, but I actually bought it today because, oh, like, nice, I was nice. like, "Why don't I have this? Why haven't I read this? Like, I love this movie, and yeah, I need to read this book." Very I'm, nice. I'm not a reader, and this is actually like one of the like rare times I like watched this. I was like, "You know what? I think this would be a book that I would like to read." And I think this would oh, be like, like the actual. I thought you meant yeah. the, the Odyssey and the Iliad. Oh no, no. I mean, Odyssey is you know, Odyssey is pretty dope. It's it... <laughs> that's on the review on the back of it. Pretty dope. <laughs> pretty dope. Yeah. <laughs> Homer, you're pretty dope, man. Yeah, and um, and speaking of the characters, um, you know, I feel like that's gonna be a, a large topic of this because there are so many of them. Yes. Um, so many characters, and um, you know, and I got through read uh, watching this, or I mean, halfway through, I was like, I was like, do enough people talk about how queer this movie feels? Like a lot of the the queer readings, there's there's a lot of gender politics going on. Um, I mm-hmm. did want to uh, read a little excerpt from an article by Max Schaefer um, called A Gender Odyssey, The Warriors, um, where he pretty much breaks down, you know, different gender archetypes uh, through uh, various members of the characters. It's a very in-depth article. You should check it out. I will uh, put a link to it in the show notes, but I did want to uh, read the portion where he, um, you know, states his thesis, Why a Gender Identities Analysis. The central conflict of this movie is between being a boy and acting like a man. That this mo- that the main conflict of this movie, not the journey itself. This movie is consistently written off as a stupid action film, but is far more complex. The masculine debates we see are not simply between brains and brawn, or right and wrong, but perceived maturity and immaturity and the limits of both. Mm-hmm. Swan, the most adult member, must learn to be softer and less stoic, while Ajax must learn to grow up and take safe and moral actions and is punished for failing to do so. Justice is in some way served in this movie, but the narrative of it is only secondary to survival and maturation. In this process, both masculinity and femininity are shown as useful survival tools, but in different ways. I would argue that the true, true man is represented as a balance of all the characters we see throughout the movie combined with the sense of humility in serving the journey. In the end, the warriors as a whole represent one ideal mature figure, even in individually fall short. So I think that actually makes a lot of sense. Like yeah. that, you know, they aren't all full characters, neither one of them. Rather, they are pieces to the one character, the warriors of the film. For Found sure. that interesting. Yes, absolutely. No, it totally does. And I mean, you look at these guys, like even the actors, like some of them, like, you know, Swan obviously looks a bit older, but a lot of these kids do look really young Mm -hmm. and i've always found it interesting that you know in the beginning like cyrus who's this you know this leader is clearly like a bit older and kind of taking charge of this and you know trying to get peace and have them to unite their power and ultimately it's kind of like all these you know these quote-unquote boys that kind of wreck everything and have the chaos and can't like deal with the you know just scatter to the winds because that's, I mean, mm. I mean there's it, a lot you can unpack there, but oh, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. just kind of interesting to see that, you know, Cyrus was this leader and it's just so much older and kind of like 
more of a, a, a father presence, I guess. Mm -hmm. and, and, and like in contrast, though, when you take a look at like, you know, the, I guess, quote unquote antagonist of the film who's in it for maybe five minutes, uh, Luther, who, you know, incites the incident by shooting Cyrus. And we find out the end, like, what, what was his motivation? And he had none. He was like, he's the he's the smarmy little edgelord that's just yeah. like, oh, I just wanted to do it. It's just things that I do. And like and and the and the immaturity, you know, of the, you know, infamous, you know, warriors call at the end is like yeah. very kid like he's clanking bottles together. So it's like you have him on like the very lowest end of like he seems like the youngest, you know, of them versus you know um taking down this the the older overseer of it all yeah and there's also this really uh great idea of pride as well like i, I think about the the gang the orphans and they yeah. were kind of willing to even though they outnumbered them so severely they were willing to kind of take the high road and talk it out and the, have like a civilized kind of conversation over it and it's not until somebody else goes comes in and calls to question their masculinity and their leadership and starts calling him chicken and like edging and, them and on. And hold her for a minute. Yes, uh, until <laughs> until the point that they're like, well, uh, well, no, actually, like well, you need to do these. And it's, they like engage them in a fight. And it's, it, I just thought it was a very interesting kind of, like you said, I uh, this a lot of these different characters represent different portions of, of masculinity. Even, even though I don't think any of these characters are fully realized i think there is definitely an argument made that they are part of this larger tapestry and, and part of something maybe a little bit more um obscure less mm -hmm. less than just uh this is this specific character and he is going on this specific emotional journey more of all of these characters mm -hmm. are, are part of this larger picture i mean it, well, and uh, oh, go ahead rachel I was just saying, and just like all, it's just interesting watching all of these different gangs. It's like they're all struggling to figure out, like, yeah, what kind of man do they want to be? Mm -hmm. Like, what do they? They're all looking at each other, and once that they have lost this kind of figure leading the way, they're all just kind of lost and yeah, I don't know, struggling to decide. Actually, like, wait, what does it mean to be a man? Like, I don't, I don't know. What do you think? And just yeah. kind of like mm -hmm. feeding off each other, really uncomfortably <laughs> i mean and it and it shows because it's like you know as the 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 rules and the structure of you know this this gang i don't know syndicate i don't know what to call it you know yeah. network yeah uh it starts to fall apart you know because like it was again you know cyrus was the one that like called the truce at the thing told everybody to come without weapons so it's like okay somebody broke that you know broke broke the rule by bringing a weapon killing him and then it's like okay all these rules are un unfurling yeah. now yeah. and then the, like on the way back they are just constantly questioning each other and they're doing it throughout the movie like everybody's always asking each other questions nobody actually seems to have an answer except for like swan some of the time yeah but like you know it's uh, uh, well is the truth still on like it, it, if we go through here like what's gonna happen if we do this like what should we do like it's all of them consistently asking each other because they don't have, you know, n none of them are mature enough to like just be like, hey, like, let me make a decision and we're going to do it. You know, well, and they lost their leader, too. Like, yeah. Not only like did they kind of like, OK, Which well, Cyrus bullshit. is gone. And now like they lost their leader as well because he got we assume killed. I think because, so. He got like, he I got, mean, like, you trampled. never see him again. Yeah. yeah he, he got jumped pretty hard because mm -hmm. he, that he was blamed for Cyrus's death. So like internally, too, 
you see Swan like stepping up and kind of having to figure out on the spot, like, wait, what kind of leader do I want to be? Yeah, and and it sucks because one, Cleon seemed like a badass. I loved like how he like kind of introduces the movie, and apparently a lot of the deleted scenes are he had a larger role in the beginning. Yeah, and they cut a lot of it down just to have uh, the the snappier intro sequence with like you know the subway train and mm-hmm. just like doing yeah. the sparse conversation in between. Which I do like that intro, but um, I do wish. He was more of a character because, like, you know, he's set up. He's, like, a cool fighter. Mm-hmm. And then it sucks that, like, you know, obviously this is, you know, this movie, I'm not going to bag on it for diversity because, obviously, like, it's a very colorful cast of, you know, literally anybody. For sure. Um, you know, especially amongst the warriors within themselves. But it also sucks that, like, we kind of set up Cleon as the leader and, like, you know, this badass. And then yeah. he gets killed and then Bland, Swan takes over as leader right you know so it's like okay well let's set up this cool uh black leader who like you know introduces us to the world and like seems very strong and i'm like nope we're gonna sub him out for the white guy with the good hair um <laughs> and you the know great it, abs it, he great does abs. have great abs yeah. and <laughs> and i'll say his line delivery is pretty smooth but like he, like as far as being the leader and protagonist like yeah. he is one of my um uh, uh negatives for the film of like just being like uh, really this guy mm-hmm. and then especially when we see the love interest introduced and like she's just pining over him and he's just he gives nothing off so it's like he just feels i don't know a little too cool uh for the mm-hmm. for the film yeah i'm wondering because i think the racial politics of the movie are definitely uh, something like kind of obvious or i think intentional at at, at minimum uh, and I'm. I think it's interesting that Osiris is a black man who's like yes. leading and the like, and the most powerful gang. Yeah, yeah for sure. I think that that's really interesting. And I'm wondering if there is uh, maybe the book kind of goes into it more. But this is a post Martin Luther King assassination. You know, in mm-hmm. America when this movie was made. Uh, I I would say probably also post Malcolm X as well. Uh, and I'm yeah. just wondering if that played a part in it of having the central figure come together and try to unify a group mm-hmm. of people who I, I think it's, you know, they talk about, it's even on the, the, the poster for the movie. It says they are 100,000 strong. They outnumber the cops five to one. This idea that as the, the people you mm-hmm. outnumber the powers that be, and you can have a lot more power if you stand up and maybe are united in this front. I'm wondering if there is kind of this, racial politics in this time in the country that played a, a role in this and that mm. when the central figure is assassinated it's the the group kind of splinters yeah you know? i mean i mean in this i mean cyrus would be even more of a parallel to malcolm x like for you sure know, as far as like well, a post- i see the guy that takes over for him as more malcolm x because oh. he even, oh, he even yeah. says like bring me the warriors like okay. yeah. preferably alive Actually. but oh. you know if huh. you kill them like whatever yeah and to me that was kind of more like you know, Martin Luther King was all about, you know, yeah, sure. okay. not not being aggressive. And like Malcolm X was kind of like, if you need to use force, like use force, you know? So mm-hmm. I kind of yeah. always looked at him like, oh, like he was more the Malcolm X figure. Yeah. And know? even um, his second totally in right. command mm-hmm. is uh, like, a, again, a black man. Like mm-hmm. I think yeah. that that's, and he's like the more strong one, sunglasses on and yeah. yeah. And, I mean, oh, and I don't, I don't think it's any accident that, Lu- I mean, I 100% think that all plays into a part here. Cause then you've got Luther, who's this like snotty white boy. Mm -hmm. who's just like entitled and kind of you know just upset that 
you know, this is happening and just shoots him cuz like, yeah. oh, I'm sorry. Like that, that still sounds like really awfully familiar, you know, just sure. whiny little white boys <laughs> like getting upset because somebody else has the spotlight. Like, I don't right. know. So I think that 100% plays a part in this. I mean, I feel like they, it's, it's interesting. I feel like they did like set up all these kind of ideas about like the, the racial themes that they'd be tackling. But I just, and then after that, like, I mean, other than being like the inciting incident, it like doesn't seem like the film is like really interested in exploring that further, which I mean, yeah. I'm not, I'm not totally upset about it. it's, it's whatever. Cause yeah. I mean, in the grand scheme of this whole movie, like, you know, it, it's doing, it's trying to do a lot. Yeah. And, um, you know, so then, but it, I guess it is a little mark on to like, kind of feel like it's set dressing in a way. Yeah. It's also interesting just as far as like the structure of the movie is concerned. Cause typically like in the first act of a movie, especially like kind of the opening scenes, that uh, kind of the exposition portion of the movie is usually showing whatever we see as the standard. And like, yeah. this is what mm-hmm. the world is like at all times in this, in this universe, you have the inciting incident, which then like is kind of the, the cause of change. But it's really interesting that at the very beginning of this movie, it's this like kind of different event. And it yeah. is kind of this, this change that we've never seen before which when which it's, is so cool yeah it really is and so when this assassination happens it, it feels i i don't know it's it feels a little bit more impactful uh like oh. it, yeah it's very it's it's it feels significant in a way yeah i mean i guess it's it is made up for you know and you know is kind of more in service for you know pumping this film with like the energy that it yeah. needs like this movie has like this like very uh, interesting sense of urgency to it. Like, mm-hmm. it just, like, you know, you, you're watching this one-night thing and, like, the way that it's set up with it and the way that it's edited, you know, the way yeah. that certain certain things are transitioned, like, on hard cuts, like, really fast, like, right. when things are picking up, but then other things have these, like, really cool, smooth transitions that, like, glide over and stuff. It's, like, so the, the, the again, like, kind of how you're saying, like, the, the character of the movie itself almost is more... Um, important like the the grand scheme of it than the than the details within yeah um even though the movie is still trying to is is still making an effort to um you know make statements about certain things but you know at the end of the day this is you know we're let's get these boys from point a to point b and the things that happen between within them Yes. Um. And it is so fun. I love again. Like I love how the train is like the the interconnecting thing throughout. Like everything always circles back to the train, and like it and it feels like its own character in the movie. Yes. This movie. Em- oh. <laughs> <laughs> if anything, this movie definitely emphasizes the importance of public transportation and Damn infrastructure. Right. <laughs> if those trains would have been moving on time. This movie could have been avoided. Man, that's all I'm saying. <laughs> if the trains would have been on fi- time, if there wasn't, if the trains were on fire like the, again the train has so much to do with this movie it's, yes. it cracks me up but um I, I i do love just like the 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 feel of it all and um and and i feel like the boys like we get to know them pretty quickly like i i was proud of myself at the end that i could name all eight of them and who they were and not get them mixed up <laughs> um you know i they they all do the, the thing where it's like in an ensemble piece so it's like okay well this is the that guy this is the this guy yeah. and then you know we have them and again like uh, you know i i did feel the uh the camaraderie amongst the boys you know where we do see like the the first altercation with the orphans like yeah mm-hmm. it was gonna get talked out peacefully um but then um 
the the very first female that comes into the film comes in making chicken noises. Um, so you know how well she's going to be written for the rest of the film. Uh, Mercy uh, calls them out, wants their vest, and they are like, "Nah, no nah way! Like we don't, we don't give up our vest. We don't, you know, this is our colors. We rep our boys." And they're like, "All right, well, let's fucking let's do this shit then." Yeah, as far as the the, the uniforms are con- are concerned in this, I don't know if the vest only as far as practicality goes i don't know I, I feel like i'd be skinning up my elbows and everything well some yeah. of them have variation which i do also enjoy like you know some people have tank tops underneath some yeah. people wear necklaces and some people wear them buttoned up some people wear them unzipped they show those <laughs> those powerful glistening abs like those are those are some good 80s abs i i, I need a warrior's vest i'm i'm gonna <laughs> i do need to do this as a halloween costume same now. that's been my dream i have a vest i got that i need to like die because like it's my like to like dress up as a warrior. <laughs> There's so many options too. Um, there I watched uh, recently for the first time a uh, murder party, and uh, one of the characters is dressed up as one of the uh, baseball theories. And I I yeah. remember I was watching murder party. I was like, what What is his costume supposed to be? I was uh, it looks cool, but like, what are you supposed to be? And then now I uh, now I get it. Baseball theories also badasses. Uh, not to be mistaken with the baseball furries. That's a different. That's a different gang entirely. <laughs> different <thing. laughs> totally different gang. They didn't show up to the summit because they, you know, were, were busy. busy. <laughs> yeah. I do think that that is like the main thing that makes this movie like such a cult movie and such an iconic movie. Like the kind of the iconic imagery of this movie mm-hmm. is so strong. Like, I mean, yes, New York itself, but also just all these different gangs. Like that's the kind of stuff that horror fans, I mean, that's what we love, right? Just like all that like nerdy stuff that you can see and be like, oh yeah, baseball theory. And like, oh, that's the rogues. And that's the, you know, the Turnbull ACs and just the, the, the lore behind it all. Mm-hmm. Like we oh, don't, yeah. it's the same thing, like 13 ghosts, right? Like we get part of it. But then you can, there's like a whole world behind that that you can either like imagine yeah, or look like, into. And it's like just this mythology mm-hmm. just. It's is like how Garrett said, like. There. It's like how Garrett said, like, this movie takes place over one night. This is just one night. Like, they, they yeah. do this all the time, uh, assumedly, yeah. you know, like. Yeah, you know, it, is, it is this real, like, iceberg kind of storytelling to where we only get, like, a real piece of it. But underneath, there has probably been years or decades of this this war coming along. And then you do have this kind of messiah figure come along and, and like, try to rectify things. And he gets killed by this guy for just the fun of it, I guess, you know. Uh, I, I love how the orphan, like, even just, like, the little bit of lore established with, like, the orphans, like, oh, they're supposed to be, like, they're lowest so low, they're barely on the map, and then it's, like, they you find out. Get invi- they yeah, they did didn't get invited. Yeah, they didn't get invited. But that's the thing, it's, like, that just, there's even more gangs outside of that, and I do yeah. think it's important to, like, when this movie was filmed, like, that was, that was happening, Mm-hmm. So, like, that was, like, a huge problem, you know, quote-unquote problem, like, in New York, like, gangs were all over the place. Like, when they were filming it, they had to hire, like, a gang liaison <laughs> yeah. to, like, keep people at bay. Like, gangs would show up and be like, you know, what the fuck are you doing? Like, making a gang movie and that guy's dressed yeah. like a baseball player? Like, mm-hmm. what are you doing? And they would, like, pay him <laughs> off to, like, leave him alone or yeah. whatever. Yeah, they, they had to change out of their outfits when they would go to lunch and, like, offset and stuff to, like, you know, just to be, like, on the cautionary side. Like, <laughs> yeah, so wild. it's, like, interesting. I can't even imagine, like, being there and, yeah, like, having to wear these kind of, like, silly costumes and then being watched by, like, real gang members like that had to be like such a weird surreal juxtaposition of like 
fantasy but you were talking about gauziness it's like there's a real thin veil here between mm-hmm. like reality and fantasy I yeah think. like in the in the way that like this is new york at night and there's just no one around ever like mm-hmm. you know we see like a random group of like civilians on the train yeah and you know some people in the train station but it's like there's like no one else in the city because like yep. oh, we know that the something's going on with the bopper so everybody you know yeah stay, stay off the streets like i do think that that's probably what it was like to some extent like you didn't really like go out unless you needed to or like you know mm-hmm. were maybe a little tough yourself i guess i wonder <laughs> if that's why there was a bit of friction between like critics when this came out is because it it is uh gaudy and it is kind of silly at points but it's also a little serious and does have these kind of deeper ideas and deeper themes going on maybe that was just a little too it's you know people at the time were like we're living this right now and i know this isn't what it's like there's not people in baseball uniforms and yeah and in these ridiculous outfits out there and so it maybe just read off kind of silly i mean know? it's it's that but it's also like this is in an era where it's like you know everyone was scared about media influencing yeah you know the kids so it's like you know like yeah are they making this this lifestyle look cool you know make it look yeah. fun and interesting uh, looks like and it sucks i'd rather say uh, like, no, like, <laughs> i don't know when I would this love movie was this released like multiple like incidents happened mm-hmm. like yeah. multiple people died because like fights broke out at screenings That's... and like like people were stabbed and like a bunch of theaters like pulled the film and like paramount (laughs) Mm -hmm. like stopped advertising for like weeks because it was like the concerns of inciting violence were were real because it Mm -hmm. kind of glamorized it and i i I thought it was funny like walter hill like said something about like his theory on it was that people thought it was so cool that like actual people from different gangs were going to the same screenings and then getting in fights like at Mm. the movie i mean (laughs) it i mean it definitely does in a way like i mean but because it this is a movie like you know like it glamorizes the like gang yeah. style makes it look fun because this is a movie i'm just imagining yeah. like modern day la gangs be like i'll see you at the grove like yeah <laughs> we're going to the 7 30 screen you better not be there it's just like <laughs> don't don't i don't want to see those mid-century spinners anywhere <laughs> no <laughs> i do but i think like the biggest i beef that a lot of people had with it during this time is that it's it's putting this all out there without any kind of moral judgment, right? Like never mm. is it saying like, oh no, like this is bad, you guys. Like don't fight. Like, yes, we have Cyrus at the beginning, like preaching unity, but he's also saying to do it like fucking ACAB. Like, let's unify and like yeah. take over the cop. The cops can't stop us if we're mm-hmm. all together, right? So it's like even what he's saying is kind of you know disrupting the norm and like overthrowing authority but it's not it's never the fighting and the the inner gang aggression and stuff it's never presented in a negative way i guess mm-hmm. like it's violent but mm-hmm. there's never any like real consequences oh yeah i mean it's like i mean we see um you know ajax is kicking cops downstairs swan is throwing bats at you know it's like they you guys are doing illegal things you know but it's like you know we never stop to like you know except for you know we when we see like ajax gets arrested and also fucking uh uh fox gets thrown into a train by the cops yeah we do we do get a little bit of repercussions that i love is just like skirted over 
Um, and I would say that that, well, that was like he was. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was going to be like kind of one of my like, you know, OK, why isn't this, you know, why isn't this uh, more of a horror movie? Yeah. Because, you know, like Rachel kind of said, like one, it's not overtly, you know, showing this as, you know, negative and hostile like it truly is. Mm-hmm. But then it's also like, you know, the, the filmmaking itself does a lot of things where it's like there's not a lot of blood. The, mm-hmm. For a lot of the the gangs talk a lot about people getting wasted when nobody actually gets wasted all that much in yeah. this movie. Like yeah. nobody really dies. There's not a lot of blood. It's really it's it's boys fucking rumbling that just brawling a bunch, you know, and just like beating the shit out of each other. Yeah, I'm wondering, like, because I want to like propose this to the group. Uh, something that I thought was just interesting is yes, the cops have a presence in this movie, but I was kind of yearning for a little bit more, like a little bit more of a conflict between not just the gangs, but also kind of the establishment and the man. Hmm. And my question is, I thought it would have been really interesting if it wasn't just this random gang member that killed this kind of Messiah figure. And what if it was the establishment? Much like Mm. Martin Luther King, there's this idea that it was not some white supremacist it was the government you know and this this idea that he was assassinated because of they were making too much of a stir you know i i thought that would have been kind of an interesting perspective is to to force these gangs to kind of have this like, infighting like you if know? like if luther was a criminal informant that would have added so much to his character and yeah, yeah just and like maybe yeah. the, and that would have gotten some something. of that yeah, yeah. yeah the just, scene where he gets like yeah. paid off just something yeah. of like this person was assassinated on behalf of the the mm-hmm. government or on behalf of of police or something like that because there was this plot to kind of this is going to be our city you know i just thought that that would be kind of interesting and would also be kind of have those real world parallels of the uh, you know like what we talked about with like martin luther king and and malcolm x and things like that i don't know do you do you guys think that'd be a little too on the nose or what do you guys think i mean the the movie's already juggling so many lanes Mm -hmm. you know because like what we'll kind of get into when we talk uh about the the ladies of this film yes is like i i would have rather them kind of spent more time on that kind of stuff on the the gender politics and Mm -hmm. like some of the stuff that they introduced because like at first i was watching the film and i was like you know what like in this fantasy world it would have been cool if it was just only dudes in this entire movie (laughs) but then there's a lot of plot elements that wouldn't have happened if that was a thing yeah which also sucks in that way but uh so so i don't know if i needed more of the anti-establishment stuff personally Mm -hmm. but that's just me what about you rachel yeah, I, I kind of like the simplicity of having it just being yeah. this, like, lone person who's just like, I don't want to give up my lifestyle. Like, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> I like my little my little world of power, you know, my few city blocks of power, and I mm-hmm. don't want to give that up to somebody. Like, to me, that's more realistic, which makes it more scary. Yeah. I think True. if anybody was to talk about this movie condemning that kind of behavior, I think it does within the first like few minutes. Like he yeah. talks about how kind of futile it is to be fighting over. Mm-hmm. I think he says like a 10 foot by 10 foot like square of something that's yours. And you just kind of want this little piece of the world that's yours. And the idea of turf and all that kind of stuff. I think this mm-hmm. movie makes it pretty clear that uh, maybe not that these actions are bad, but at that minimum, they're kind of pointless, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, and I guess that harkens back to like the whole just like maturity of it all. Like, yeah. you know, yeah. like is like it like what does this actually mean to any of you, you mm-hmm. know, to be doing this every night, you know, just, you know, for the thrill of it, you know, yeah. like what does it actually mean? And it's nothing. <laughs> yeah. Well, and like, like there's that scene when 
the rogues are like getting a bunch of like candy or whatever from that the, like the newsstand yeah and they're just taking it and the girl's like hey are you gonna pay for that and luther's like for what you know it's just like that sense of entitlement like we mm-hmm. run this like i'm not no i don't owe you anything you know so it's just i don't know i don't know where i was going with that i just find that to be like actually like one of the most like character developing mm-hmm. scenes the fact that you see him react that way i mean yeah, yeah it's a, you know then because each member does react to all this differently like you even see it in that setup you know amongst the warriors like you know there's you know the the nicer members of the warriors like vermin and coaches that are like yeah i'm i'm into this and then you have like people mm-hmm. like ajax that were like oh this sounds like a bunch of bullshit to me because you know ajax is the the aggro one of the group he is the yeah. one that is uh, amongst all the characters like yearning for the masculinity and the power you know more than anyone you know we see oh, yeah. that. i'd say he's the most insecure <laughs> oh yeah totally i mean uh, one probably a closeted homophobe because he definitely is one dropping that f word quite yeah. a bit and yeah. always yeah. talking about shoving things up people's asses and <laughs> getting creepy with the girls like wanting to be rough and like he is like yeah. he's so over the top but mm, he is so hot i'm sorry <laughs> I know it's the same thing. I don't know if you guys have seen like uh, he's so hot in so many things like cruising and then like 48 hours like he's an awful character in 48 hours but he is banging like those (laughs) lips everyone is so sweaty in this movie that's a that's a thing I love in films is just like when people are impossibly sweaty the whole time I love that (laughs) it it gets me you know I thought it was real though like those guys are running a lot they probably were they're probably stinky and all the lights to light up the like night shooting and stuff oh yeah that's a hot set in many ways <laughs> until like fairly recently i thought the actor that played luther was sean penn like i, I just always this thought that that was him and they look very similar they <laughs> yeah, look they totally. look similar and so does casey neistat like the youtube vlogger they just mm-hmm. all are kind of like the same and like, he looks like um uh, and alex winters that's i kept thinking alex winters yeah. but i was like oh this is way before his time though so that wouldn't make sense yeah um but you know yeah the the there's so much going on with um, many of the characters in this. And, uh, you know, we do need to talk about the ladies. The ladies. Um, I, uh, again, I don't have too many complaints of this film, but one of them, their name rhymes with thirsty, ironically. <laughs> um, uh, Mercy, poor gal. Um, it's not her fault that her character is written this way. <laughs> um, uh, to yeah. just kind of be a plot driving device like literally Mm -hmm. she's the one that incites the the fight between the warriors and the orphans Mm -hmm. before they go on but then she decides she wants to tag along for the ride and there's like her character unfortunately is just so grating in the way that she's just like uh, like the whole time i'm like what are you doing and then they they tried to fix it and have a scene where she like is like sexually empowered for like five seconds and then gets you know torn back down again so like it, which is interesting because the other female characters are in, are a lot more interesting. Like when we have uh, undercover cop lady that busts Ajax in the yeah. park. I was like, hell yeah, girl. And then and then the whole sequence with the Lizzies, um, you know, we have this uh, badass girl gang that like lures some of the warriors in. And mm-hmm. like, so it's like we do have like other great female characters in this. But then why did Mercy get treated like this? It just bothers me. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah, I, there, I go back and forth because, yeah, there's definitely some scene or like some moments where I'm like, oh, no, mercy, like, don't say that. And But then at the same time, like, I feel I mean, I've seen this movie so many times and I feel like every time I see it, I get I feel a little bit more empathy for her because it's like she's just 
she's trapped i think in her situation and she's just like desperate for a way out and so like she sees the warriors as like this is my chance like i'm gonna just you're the underdogs i'm an underdog i'm just gonna like like follow you around until i can like get out of this situation so yeah, yeah I, I i don't have a huge problem with her but there there's some lines maybe i would I would delete or edit a little bit. And I think that is like a big part of it. It's like her dialogue because like I want to read that part of it. And I feel like that is probably what they were trying to convey with her character. But then they literally have her have lines of dialogue of her saying like, no, I'm just trying to find the next best thing. I'm just like, you know, and like having her, you know, like she leaves the orphan guy because she's like, oh, no, the Warriors are real men. So I'm going to go with them. And then and yeah. she literally like says like, you know, like I'm just trying to do what I want before I die. So it's like in portraying or having her vocalize that versus like what like I think that the original intention probably was with her character to like have that empathy for Mm -hmm. just like the way that it was executed was just like very poor yeah I I do think she's there to also to to challenge their masculinity and like she's there as a character to be that counter Mm -hmm. which you know obviously doesn't always work and sometimes it does I do think in like combining her with the other women that you were talking about it is a really interesting conversation to be had about like how these women are using their sexuality and and i also think it's interesting because i think the lizzie's are the ones that get the closest to actually Mm -hmm. like like wasting the warriors right yeah (laughs) and 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 like that was like another like thing i have my note like you know just like a small change that they could have made to like give mercy a little bit of death what if she was a part of the lizzie's and like you know she's like along with the warriors like get intel and like could have like been wrapped into that you know it's just um and and she could have actually helped them like she didn't really offer anything to them like she was just kind of like following them around like a little puppy dog like if she actually was able to be like oh hey come this i I guess she does like show them how to get to one of the stations but Mm -hmm. she could have actually been in like of some use i guess yeah i mean a big shout out to deborah van valkenberg uh ooh, mouthful um, because her performance, despite the writing of the character, is great. Like, she has great charisma. Like, she is still, like, entertaining, at least. Um, but, yeah, like, if she would have been, like, folded in with the Lizzie's, I feel like that would have been, like, uh, an easy fix there or something. Yeah, and it reminds me, actually, of um, when I'll mention it later, uh, when you get to the movie math section, not to spoil it, but it reminded me of West Side Story because there's this mm-hmm. character in that uh, that is referred to as anybody's. In the original film, they're kind of like a tomboy character, but in the newest Steven Spielberg version, they're a trans character. And I thought it reminded me of that uh, in the sense of you have this person who is maybe wanting to infiltrate this lifestyle, but because of their gender, they're viewed differently. Mm, and I yeah. thought that kind of could have been kind of an interesting. We talked about oh, some of the gender politics. That would have been interesting. That would have been super cool. If she wanted yeah. to be like a, a warrior, member, yeah, yeah, like give me your vest, oh, like yeah. and like like tried to like prove herself a little bit more. Yeah, like but wanted I, to be like a female warrior i just thought it was yeah i just thought it was a little disappointing that she's just kind of relegated to just being a love interest in a way which i feel like i feel like might just be a a paramount studio note kind of thing of like ah there needs to be a love story in this that's why people go to the pictures you know there needed to be a babe right like and she is a babe and i i have to say i can never not think about the fact that she's running around new york city in those heels all night like oh my god the (laughs) feet have got to be killing her poor 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 gal and um you know, and and again, it's like they or it, like I found it like 
you know, interesting with, like, you know, Swan's resistance to her. Like, what if at the end Swan had a boyfriend in the Warriors and then, like, they could have been then <laughs> uh, gay besties after that, maybe. Even, I, who knows? I do think it's interesting, too, like, you know, he judges her so harshly and it's like, who are you to judge Swan? And you kind of see it in... Mm-hmm when they're on the subway and you get those like prom kids Mm -hmm. that show up and clearly they're from a completely different world. Right. Like here's all these gangs running around the street and here's these kind of like yuppie kids Mm -hmm. from the Upper East Side or whatever, like going to prom and they're just like kind of slumming it on this subway and you see the juxtaposition of the two Mm -hmm. and it's like, her and swan are kind of from the same world, but he, it's like, it's almost like he doesn't want to admit that. Mm -hmm. But and I like how they do give it that like it is one of the better moments between them two is like that scene because like then she's like trying to present herself a little bit better and he like puts it he just yeah she starts to fix her hair kind because she's feeling self conscious Mm -hmm. and he's just like and he puts her hand down and like just that little thing he's like okay yeah we are like kind of on the same level I do I did really love that moment Mm -hmm. but speaking of moments that uh we love the we before closing this out we have to talk about the brawls the action scenes yeah, yeah. are so fun mm-hmm. like the, like first the baseball fury scene yeah. was so fun the choreography with the baseball bats is just like so damn fun mm-hmm. i i love that whole thing it was like what four warriors against like what at least nine ten of the something of the like furies. yeah yeah there's this really cool moment in the movie where they kind of splint the warriors splinter off and they agree to kind of have this rendezvous point but in the middle of that they all kind of encounter these different things like some of them are fighting the 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 baseball gang some of them are fighting the cops some of them are like doing other stuff i thought that that was just a really fun Mm -hmm. moment of like they're all kind of encountering these different things as opposed to okay the warriors as a collective are fighting this gang and now Mm -hmm. it's this gang's turn it's kind of this this nice you know they each have these kind of different challenges and also locations too like some of them are in the park some of them are in a subway like they're kind of this nice change of scenery and i i just thought if you're going to be you know in new york city you you know you 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 want a little bit of variety in there for sure which is uh which is your favorite of uh the the action set pieces rach I mean, I think my favorite is the baseball furies, but I also really love like the bathroom fight with the, yeah. the roller skating boys, yeah. the, the John Travolta like disco boys in overalls. Yeah. I can't remember what the name of that gang is, but I I think that the way that whole scene is executed, how the that gang is like never making their presence hidden. Mm-hmm. It's like they're just kind of like, all right, we're just gonna follow you into this place and you know, throw down. <laughs> I love me a good bathroom brawl. It's a, yeah. a trope I really love. Oh, yeah. um, I, I have to feel like uh, at World's End's bathroom brawl had to be inspired by this one. And, but there's something interesting about the bathroom brawl. That, you know, it's the it's kind of the climactic, you know, one because we the finale of the film is very low key. Yeah. So this is like kind of the climax of it. And what's interesting is because like by this point we have like gotten to know the different members of the Warriors. And let's be real. They're all goobs. They're, they are all <laughs> big old goobers. But then when you see this scene and then you're like, oh shit, they can really throw down. And like, yeah. they are some like, you know, like dangerous kids. Like, and so like, I feel the impact in that bathroom brawl, like so much more, like they're th- destroying the stalls. He, uh, fucking, um, 
Cochise takes a dude and rams his head into a like brick wall. Yeah. Like, I'm yeah. like, damn. And it's like, so I like really felt it in that scene. Yeah. And it's also cool because some of the members, it, they, they're like itching to get in these fights. Mm-hmm. They're like, I'm yeah. sick of running. Like, yep. let me, you know, and it's kind of cool to see them have their moment to where you, you know, you see it also shows that these gangs aren't all equal that just because it's 8v8 doesn't mean that you know it's the the same skill level some of these guys are stronger than the others and it was kind of cool to be able to like see that in practice despite the fact that some of these gang members have themed weapons and some Mm -hmm. like the warriors are just there you know uh, old thunder and lightning (laughs) yeah it it, it, it sucks that ajax only gets the one action scene but i guess that is also representative of his character he was the one that was itching to fight the most and he gets to do one fight and then he gets himself arrested afterwards (laughs) (laughs) I always knew they're a bunch of wimps. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but he does have the one of the best lines of the film. Oh, yeah. Take that baseball bat and shove up your ass and make you into a popsicle. So yeah. good. I, I I forget. I mean, obviously, there's the 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 warriors line. Like that's the kind of the well known. But I also like the can you dig it is uh is a, mm-hmm. a great line. I didn't yeah. know that was from this. Yeah. Like I've always I've always like seen that scene and him yeah. can you dig and like saying yeah. it like that and I yeah. never knew where it actually came from. I yeah. didn't know it was from here. It's a good one. Yeah. yeah, there's so much cool language. That, I mean, the boppers and you get, oh, I can't remember his name now, but the one warrior who's always just like, oh, hurt me, hurt me. And like uh, saying all these things to the girls and like he has all these yeah. great lines that he oh, throws yeah. out all the time. And yeah. just, it's I love all the a nicknames. great world that they build with the language too. I, yeah. just, I also wanted to shout out because you had mentioned it, like we haven't talked about it much, like the whole DJ character, oh. I just think is a really fun kind of plot device. Like it's just very... It's not overly complicated. You don't see a lot of scenes of like people listening on the radio. It's just kind of this cool. It also reminds me of um, uh, uh, Do the Right Thing, to where you kind mm-hmm. of have this DJ character who is keeping other characters informed, kind of recapping plot events. And it was just kind of like it was just kind of this fun, almost like a like a, we're talking about video games, like a checkpoint in a way. Yeah. Of like, <laughs> oh, they just beat this whatever gang, and now they're on the way to whatever. Like it was super stylized, just really fun. And like it was kind of the like one of the more uh, stylish movie moments in, yeah. in a film that could be you know very kind of serious and it's and like dingy, exposition you know? is not hard to make fun and yeah. it's like they didn't have to do much besides be like oh this is how they relay yeah. information you know throughout the city to the other gangs and like uh, the the close up on her lips gorgeous pair of lips on uh, I had her name pulled up. Lynn Thigpen uh, playing the DJ, fantastic mm-hmm. voice. Uh, what was your favorite needle drop of the of the film, Rach? Oh gosh, that's a good question. I mean, goodies. I do like. There's a couple moments where the score kicks in that I just I love. I mean, one of them being like the Lizzies when they like the girls are dancing, mm-hmm. and I just love the music there and how it's used and how it's kind of like building tension, but you're not exactly sure what like especially the first time you see it it's like wait is something gonna happen here and you see the girls kind of like looking at each other it's like oh shit something's going down and i love the way the music is used there oh man the the score sets the tone so good like that opening sequence for the title scene like oh man i pumped the volume so loud i had the sub (laughs) going i was like we are doing this and uh yeah the the music is used so well but i i i love 
Um, you know, the the first one, the message to the warriors is nowhere to run. Yeah. It's basically telling them like, hey, you're, you're they're after you. Yeah. And then uh, love the closing one at the end of In the City by Joe Walsh, where um, the DJ, um, after everything goes on and uh, clearing the air, just goes yeah. uh, to those boys that had uh, trouble getting home last night. Sorry about that. Yeah. yeah. Here's a song. <laughs> Sorry, guys. And correct me if I'm <laughs> Sorry, wrong. Sorry, few I, uh, of your members got killed. No biggie, right? <laughs> I believe that song is an original song for this movie, the yeah. Joe Walsh song. So mm-hmm. that's that's yeah. uh, that's cool. Good good yeah. good for you, Joe. Yeah, it's a uh, this movie super fun. I I even though there are a lot of complicated. Uh, elements to it that you know uh, is it problematic is it not it, what's the intent um uh the entertainment of it all um you know just had me enthralled in it so like i was able to kind of not forgive like because obviously i'm still posing these questions but like you know in the in the moment of it like it's one of those movies where it's just like you can get so wrapped up in it to where you know it is okay to you know you can watch it one way with a very critical eye but then you it's a movie that you can also just throw on to like really just have a good time with mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and i just had a i had a fantastic time out of it uh this is four and a half out of five baseball bats for me um rachel uh out of five baseball bats were you given the warriors Oh, five. Five out of five for me. I, I mean, I could really do without some of like the homophobic language, like for yeah. real. That would be like, it would be five plus if, you know, some of those <laughs> F-bombs were not there. But yeah. overall, like, I just love, I love this world. I love just how stylized and fun it is. Just everything we've been talking about. But yeah, so five for me. Um, I'm at a, a four out of five vests on this movie. Um, it's I think it is a lot of fun. I think it's just there is uh, an opportunity for depth. And I think, although admirable that the movie kind of bypasses some of it and kind of aims for a little bit more simplicity, I think it really could have served to have some of those deeper moments because I think that they're there. I think that mm-hmm. the opportunity really is there. A uh, lot of fun action set pieces. The style is really cool. Like I said at the up top, really distinct flavor of a movie. And uh, yeah, I don't think that there's been uh, too many other movies like it. What could make it more horror would be like just kind of like the emotional stakes a little bit. I mm. think it is missing some tension and some fear. Yeah. And if it had that, like it would tip over into the into the horror realm. If we actually saw the warriors like being a little bit scared or a little bit more blood, you know, yeah. horror doesn't necessarily have, oh, to yeah. have a lot of blood, but it would help. Yeah, it's like people died in this, but you kind of forget that people died yeah. in this. Like yeah. it's like somebody <laughs> literally got thrown into a train, but there was no blood, no there was no stopping. Yeah. Like we don't hear about that incident on the radio later. Right. But yeah, so it's like it's missing some of the blood and um you know and Again, like if it, 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 I think if it leaned, if this was more heavy on like a more revenge angled aspect of it, yeah, um, it definitely could have felt like it, but like that that under siege feeling of it all, um, it definitely gives it some shades there. But let's see what else this movie gives us shades of. Oh! All right, here on the Bloody Blunt Cinema Club, we'd like to do a little fun game called Movie Math. It is a pretty simple game. You just take a couple of movies, add them together, multiply them, divide them together, all of which has just got to equal the movie that we talked about today in uh, in layman's terms. What are some movies that remind you of this movie? Uh, we'll go up top with you, uh, Rachel. What are some movies that you added together or uh, other little mathematical ways to uh, equal the Warriors? 
Sure. Yeah. So I'm going to do some weird math here. I'm not actually yes. sure if it checks out, but <laughs> we're going to try. Uh, so first I'm going to have a big bracket and then a smaller bracket. Oh, we got brackets, inside damn. that smaller bracket, we've got Mission Impossible plus Serpico. Okay. That's in the smaller bracket. Then okay. you take that times Death Wish, big okay. bracket, and then you take all that Okay. and you add Death Wish 3. <laughs> <laughs> i love the specificity on this, this man great. that's a pretty uh, I, I mean i'm a, a few of those i haven't seen but i'm assuming the math definitely checks out uh why the distinguishing between death wish one and three so death wish one is much more like gritty serious i mean it had a very similar reaction i think to this because yeah. it was really morally ambiguous and that is a straight ahead revenge tale, but it's also like in a direct response to kind of what was happening in New York in the 70s. You have this really disillusioned guy, middle class white guy, just start going out and killing criminals. And there's a lot tied up in that, but it does have that same kind of New York, authentic 70s New York vibe. Mm -hmm. uh, but Death Wish 3, if you've not seen, uh, there are actually... There. I mean, they're blatantly stealing things from the warriors as far as like the gangs and the 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 gang members and that have like a bunch of face paint and it's just bonkers. It's like a different it's a totally different kind of dystopic view of New York and the world. And it's a really heightened story that's completely bananas. And I love it. And it wouldn't be there without the warriors. But at the same time, like the warriors there, I don't know, you have to see them both. But there's, a, there's a lot of similarities, I think. I'm curious about what's the Mission Impossible angle there? What's that for? So Mission Impossible angle is kind of that. I mean, he gets blamed he gets framed basically mm. ah, and so i think you know I the warriors get framed and it's this whole mission of just mm -hmm. getting to a place where they can get get safe yeah and like kind of clear their name and i think that's what uh ethan hunt does so that's what i went with yeah <laughs> i'd say nice. mission impossible one is the most video gamey feeling of the mission impossible movie. i've only seen the first three but of the ones oh, i've seen you gotta change that i know i need to catch up if i'm you, gonna if you're a fan of bathroom sequences bathroom fights oh dude fallout's got one of the best one of the all times oh i know the gif i know i know what you're talking about <laughs> um for mine um i went a little bit simpler it was even pretty simple and then i thought of one as we were recording um so i have in my parentheses i have the outsiders which you know obvious mm -hmm. reasons uh the exploration of masculinity these tight-knit group of boys um you know figuring things out and obviously a lot of it gets figured out through violence um, you know, so definitely a lot of shades of the outsiders for sure. I have that added to Turbo Kid. Um, oh. Turbo Kid, um, a little bit of a reach here, but it's uh, has th this movie doesn't feel. I always thought this movie was uh, supposed to be like post apocalyptic, but it's mm -hmm. not. It's totally still in just like regular old New York, yeah. but still that fantasy dystopian feel to it. Uh, Turbo Kid is basically Mad Max on bikes. <laughs> um and it's pretty awesome um uh, if you guys haven't seen that definitely check it out um and has a lot of uh stylistic similarities as well cow jesus we are almost done go i'm getting mauled i'm getting attacked you're getting bopped all over the place <laughs> um and then so that's in my parentheses outsiders plus turbo kid and then i have that divided by the first purge um not 
the yes. the the, the yes. actual you know what I mean. I got you. The the first purge, the 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 prequel of the series. Um, I mean, obviously a lot of purge vibes in general with just these kind of uh, gangs. I feel like the purge definitely took a lot of inspiration from the warriors mm-hmm. with like the way that they people wear masks and get ups for the purge night and everything. And it's yeah. and also that that one night of you know madness type mm-hmm. of thing. And it also does have, you know, the, because that one specifically is, uh, you know, it sets only on Staten Island. It's like more contained and they did Mm -hmm. it because like it's lower class. Like that's where they decide to test the purge at. Yeah. Um, So with some of the class stuff as well, but I have it dividing those other two because um, I'm taking out like when, when you line everything up, uh, the thing that would get left out of the equation is um, the more overt violence of the purge series because again this movie not very bloody uh not i mean it is violent but it's not um like you know as as violent (laughs) the mildly bloody blunt cinema club yeah (laughs) yeah this would yeah be in the mild bloody blunt cinema club um so yeah that's that's my equation uh what do you have garrett makes sense to me um i kind of as i mentioned before went with some like near distant future kind of this isn't this isn't a, an apocalypse movie, but it certainly feels like one. So I went with the first Mad Max movie, not mm-hmm. Fury yeah. Road, the first totally. one, because that one is not as, if you've only seen Fury Road, it's not really anything like that. It's pretty straight down the middle revenge movie. And there's also these gangs with colorful, not colorful, but like uh, cartoonish kind of outfits and themes and leather. And it's, it's terrific. Uh, so you've got kind of the revenge angle of that, of the idea of like, you know, crime is kind of taking over and there's, you know, uh, not uh, kind, not much between sending them and uh, mm-hmm. you know complete like chaos and overrun. So I have that West Side Story obvious reasons. Uh, this kind of turf war, New York City, uh, us versus them kind of mentality uh, over. After Hours, the Scorsese movie, because that is also a movie that takes place over the course of one evening, and it is just about this guy, if you've never seen it, who is just going from uh, situation to situation, person to person, character to character, and just seemingly just keeps stumbling into this crazy this crazy evening. Uh, it's a lot of fun, super uh, stressful movie, uh, but this is kind of that same energy of it's, it's, it's one night, certain kind of feeling and tone of New York in that era. Um, all of which uh, kind of with this bizarro leather clad gang turf war, you know? <laughs> yeah, I definitely uh, love After Hours. Uh, definitely can see like the, the, the gritty crime angle of it all. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that, that one night setting. Love it, love it, and I'm very, like, I'm literally excited to, like, watch this again in, like, a couple days, honestly. Like, I had so much fun <laughs> yeah. with this. Um, so thank you for bringing the Warriors to uh, the podcast, Rachel, and thank you for coming back. Always a pleasure uh, podcasting with you. Uh, what are you working on these days? Yeah, I'm going to have uh, a couple interviews coming out this next week on Daily Grindhouse. Uh, I interviewed Pessy Levanto, who's the composer for that new movie called The Innocence, which, if you haven't seen it, is fucked really but like it, but like in a good way like it'll yeah. fuck you up and you'll be like oh my god that was so good it is on and then list. um uh, also jeff cardoni who scored the tony hawk doc that's on mm. hbo max and then yeah i'll uh of course be hanging around uh with losers club and pod the pendulum so which you know devon's a part of too so i'm sure we'll be hanging out again soon Cute. yes 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 
Uh, Garrett, what you got coming? Uh, so I just saw Men last night, uh, and I'm also seeing a couple of other horror goodies coming up soon. So uh, expect videos and reviews out for those. I'm also going to be doing a little uh, mini TikTok series of ranking H24's horror movies that I've seen. So if you guys are interested in that, you can follow me on TikTok. Uh, if you want some more podcast goodness, I've got a Star Wars podcast called Scum and Villainy Pod. We'd love to have you. i got a big week coming up next week, a bunch of news coming out. So we'd love to have you. Yeah, Garrett's on a hot streak with the screen. Right now, I'm jealous oh, of man. all the ones I've I can't invited go you to, to. Like I know, four of them. <laughs> I know. I just I hate that I have to work so much right uh, now. Man, just it's... quit your job. Just go watch movies for me. <laughs> why, movies can't, with me. <laughs> why can't we all? Why can't we all? Um, what do we got coming at next on the podcast? So this is the end of our could be horror series. Um, in June, okay. we will have a brand new uh, theme for you. We will be. What were we doing? For, oh yeah. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> Get excited, guys. We're Get excited. What oh, yeah. No. <laughs> duh. June is Pride Month, guys. That's so right. um, we're doing a, um, we did this before. We did a, a month of queer films and we are doing it again. Yes. Uh, we got some different angles and some different films um, coming to you for that. So get excited. But we do have one more episode um, in May. Uh, it comes out on the last day of May. That's right. Which is a, uh, a special day. It's a birthday gift for you. Yeah. Uh, coming out on my birthday, we will have a special episode for you guys where Garrett and I will be pitching you a horror movie from, from scratch. We're going to... Uh, I, I have a fun little game planned out. Um, it's inspired by a podcast I used to listen to. Shout out to the Pitch It Movie podcast. Um, where, uh, yeah, we're going to come up with a horror movie, you know? We are both uh, writers, and we like to come up with stuff and fan cast and things yeah. of that nature. So I think that'll be a fun little birthday episode for me. So I think the important question is, are you like a cake? Are you a cupcake guy? I know you like donuts. Are you more of a donut guy? I, I am a donut yeah. guy. I don't like cake. I'm not a, I am not a cake guy. I also don't like cake. I think cake is pretty, uh, it's all right. Uh, I'm a pie guy. Well, I like, I like pie. I like pie? donuts. My favorite pie is cheesecake. That's not pie. Yes, it is. No, it's not. Pies are crust and filling, and that is what cheesecake this is. This is ridiculous. Cake You're may blowing be in my the... mind right now. <laughs> cake might be in the name, but it is not a cake. It I, I is bet... not spongy. It is not. It is does not have flour in you're, it. I bet you're it's a, a pie. I bet you're a cereal is soup guy. Just it just... is cold soup. <laughs> no, you're it's ridiculous. Breakfast Let's soup. Wrap this up before Cere- I strangle <laughs> you with this microphone cord. <laughs> cereal is breakfast soup. <laughs> Uh, but you can always find me on Twitter and Instagram at underscore daddy disco. Got some fun stuff coming here soon, but that'll go ahead and do it for this week's episode of the Blade Blunt Cinema Club. New episodes drop every Tuesday. Make sure you're subscribed so you do not miss an episode. You can follow us on social media at bloody blunts pod on Twitter and Instagram. And until next time, guys, stay lifted.